Hey there, fans of the Wretched Hive. Before we get to the show, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial of the Audible service just by going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash hive. That's spelled H-I-V-E. From there, you can get over 180,000 titles to choose from that you can play on your iPhone, over Android, if you have a Kindle, one of those, or even if you're still stuck on one of them MP3 players. Maybe even a Zune if that's still out there. Are those still out there? They're probably still out there. You can play it on a Zune, I'm sure, because they took MP3s. Why not? Anyway, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find more wretched high with scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi was 100% consistent with the original trilogy, Luke. Yes, 100%, according to Ryan Johnson. And uh, we're going to talk all about that story and more because you have found the Wretched Hive Podcast for Friday, November 9th, 2018, episode 74 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin, and four-fifths of the Wretched Hive, plus one, are with us tonight. Ooh, Mysterioso. Ooh, and we'll wow. start it off. What's that? Yep. And we'll start it off with the Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. DVB, good lord, it's another night for some great Star Wars talk. And let me tell you guys, give me a minute here. I need I need just a minute. I'm sorry to the listeners. Well, I'm not sorry to the listeners because I have something very, yeah. very special to announce. Two things. Yeah. Two things. Yeah, yeah okay, fuck bring those it. people. Who bring needs <laughs> Uh, always like to start the show off on the right foot with our listeners. Number one. Thing yeah. number one, guys. It is November 9th as you're listening to this show. Mm. Yesterday, November the 8th, was mine and my wonderful, not-so-wretched wife, Kara, oh. our 20th anniversary, guys. This woman has Happy put up my bullshit and made me a better person, given me one-fifth of this show, is responsible for it as well. And another two small little spawn who are here in the house with us, who are just wonderful people, and I thank her from the bottom of my heart. Number two, guys, in two days from the airing of the show, November 11th, 11-11, guys, motherfucking Life Day! Life Day! Some, some people call it Veterans Day. I'm just throwing that out there real quick. <laughs> I hate bitches. World Life War One celebration at the end of the war to end all wars well, first, day. first of all i gotta say that we've spent about one-tenth of your marriage with you and we can hardly stand you so great job cara for dealing with your shit 10 times longer than we have that's amazing saint wow walking the earth. she is a saint i'd like to say that i've put up with the entire duration of that relationship as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's well played oh wow uh, not on the show tonight. He's a lifelong Star Wars fan. Ivansky is not around tonight. He is uh, he is working. Uh, so, so guys, I like uh, I don't like the Star Wars. So what's the what's your problem? I have a job interview that I have to go to. I'm working. <laughs> me, I might me, get a job. Just, 
I'm just gonna jump on this real quick, okay? I'm out with Tony tonight. <laughs> I, I agree with everything Dave just said, except for the five things I'm gonna disagree with right now. <laughs> and you've got Scotty Vansky highlights from the show. Anyway, so who has a job interview at 9:30 p.m.? I, I didn't understand that part of the whole thing, frankly. I don't. I don't. That sounds fake. Wait, that sounds really suspicious. Where is he working? That sounds like something that might happen on the Deuce. What's? <laughs> I think he's he's got a job dancing at the uh, new Jet Strip, is what it is. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh... <laughs> Number three. <laughs> oh my gosh, who who else is on? Oh, that's right. He is the captain of the Nico Rodriguez. Hello, hello, and welcome to Hi, another Nico. episode of the Wretched Hive. Hi, hello. Nico. How are you, sir? I'm well, fairly Dude. intoxicated and excited for another show with you. <laughs> I can almost tell. fine, gentlemen. The energy oh. is seeping yeah, through the microphone. Yeah, tone it down. You're way too hyped up, man. Oh, God, it's just such a downer dealing with so many old people all day long. <laughs> oh, God. And then hey, I have to. Come. Do you work in like a home now? What is your deal? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I know it's an important day. We have the Star Wars Holiday Special. Dave! With Anthony Daniels as C3PO. Oh, God. Under. (laughs) (laughs) No circumstances. Oh, yes. (laughs) Should you ever. And I mean, no matter how different we appear, we're all the same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. Ever! We celebrate a day of peace. Call him. Steve, how did you ever lose the bad Star Wars battle trying to argue that the Star Wars holiday special was not the worst Star Wars product ever produced? I lost. With Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. God. (laughs) Right? Uh, right? Just, I, I lost to a, a very skilled arguer that, that day. You were, you were very good, and I, I, I blew it. I, should, I mean, how does that possibly lose blew to the Clone you, you Wars as the worst Star Wars battle? in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. That's how you blew it. Then I could have fired Jeff Sessions, I guess. And who could have fired Jeff Sessions today? Uh, oh, my God, that takes me back. So, hey. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to you folks, wherever, wherever, whenever, and however you are listening to us. We are 4 by 4 plus 1 tonight. Hmm. We still haven't addressed that yet. Well, guys, we With do have... Daniels as C-3PO. God, you're going to... I'm going to make you... Oh. I just saw that come out of Dave's nose. It just is horrible. Just uh, mistimed a little bit. Guys, we do have a guest tonight, special guest... Uh, we have an intern. Yes. 
who is starting with us tonight, <laughs> Callista Kirk. Callista, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Callista is interested in podcasting, and so she's going to learn the ropes with the Wretched Hive. How about that? How about it? <laughs> Whoa. You're a brave, brave soul. <laughs> I just have one thing to say, Callista. Even though you're a Kirk, there's only room for one captain on this show. Mm. Oh, jealousy. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Wow. <laughs> now, Calissa, you don't there have to take that. There can only be one. You don't have to take that abuse. I'll take it for now. I'll come back with a comeback later. All right. <laughs> All right. It's really easy to dethrone, Nico. Don't worry about it. You'll, you're way smarter than he is. He's got a uh, he's got a theme song though. That's true. He is the captain of the Millennial Falcon. You know that's true. We're gonna need to get a bumper for Callisto. Yeah, I think we need a bumper. Um, hmm. If only our producer had an intern to help. I fired. Him. <laughs> oh, okay. Your first assignment yeah. <laughs> is to create your own bumper. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Uh, I think she's going to lead the league in eye rolls at, by by the end of this show <laughs> recording. I've counted three in the last three minutes. If you've ever worked with an intern, call me and let me know what to do. Our number is 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case you can't spell you got goddamn right. right. You goddamn right, Dave. And uh, you want to take over the goddamn rights from now on? I kind of like that. Oh sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, you can also find us online at thewretchedhive.net. Look us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wretchedhivepodcast. You can find us on Twitter at wretchhivepod over the old Instagram that uh, Callista will be taking over soon. Uh, wretchedhive seventy seven. You can email the show show at thewretchedhive.net you can also find us on the Apple App Store don't forget to download our app, the Wretched App on the App Store, it's on sale this week guys, it's on sale yeah, buy one, get one free the Wretched App it's free, you are killing me Larry yeah, yeah, how do we ever how will we stay in business Steve (laughs) how will we stay afloat it's audible, Audible audible.com keeping us afloat here at the wretched hive and you can also find us don't forget leave a review on itunes now guys before we get into the news we have we do have a couple of announcements and one i did want to talk about the itunes reviews because we've been getting a few more we've actually been stuck on 13 we have 13 reviews on itunes and i'd really like our listeners to help us out with that the itunes reviews actually really helps us it helps our standing with iTunes, uh, helps listeners come to the show. And so I want to run a little contest, guys. I want us to get up above 20 reviews this week. Between now and next episode, our goal is I want 20 reviews of the show. And uh, here's what I'm willing to do. For all the reviews that we get between this show and next show, I'm going to tabulate all of those. Everyone that leaves a review has an equal chance of winning if we get over 20. So we need at least seven to get to 20. And then everyone that reviews is in the running. One lucky reviewer will be randomly selected to win a set of Rancho Obi-Wan trading cards signed by Steve Sansweet himself from Rancho Obi-Wan. 
My dog Topper is very excited about that idea. Topper can't win. He's your dog. Sorry. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the reason he can't win. Is he's related to Greg. That's the reason. <laughs> so, I really want to push this this week. Let's get over twenty reviews on iTunes. Now, the last review we got was really nice, and I want to call this person out. I don't know the person's name, but their iTunes account name is Stanks347. S-T-A-N-K-S-347. So Stanks347... Stanks a lot. Yeah, Stanks for the review. Stanks for the review, Stanks. Stanks for the memories. On August 18th, Stanks347 wrote, This isn't your typical run-of-the-mill all-for-all or all-against perspective. Each contributor has a different view on the multiple topics surrounding the Star Wars universe. They have great guests ranging from rock bands to curators of museums, and with the witty banter of the panel, it makes it a fun listen. I guess Scott was absent the day they listened as well. Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. So I would really like to get up to 20, and uh, so... Let's do it, guys. If you're listening to the show, or if you're a listener of the show, please give us an iTunes review, and you might win a signed, full set of Rancho Obi-Wan trading cards. Let's get those guys from the UK. If they're in Ireland or wherever it was that they're from, why don't you guys leave a review? Because you know what? Steve will send you guys, hot off the presses, signed by Steve Baldwin himself, on behalf of Steen Sansweet. <laughs> now, no, don't don't say that because they're going to think it's it's not legit. These are no, cards it, that actually Steve Sansweet, Dave can attest to this. He was there when I it can. happened. He gave me sets of trading cards to use on our show. I, as I can one hundred percent attest to that. And I echo the call though to get some of our international listeners to participate here. If for no other reason, then you're going to make Steve spend at least two to three times as much money as you normally would on the postage for this if he has to ship it to the UK. That's very true. And I'm all about sticking it to him wherever I can. I'm taking it out of your check. Just like he does to the Porg every week. <laughs> oh, the, that's the true. pork is curiously absent this week. Where is the pork? Uh, the pork, he's the over pork there in the corner. Protection. He's he's in the corner. He's not behind me anymore because I I shifted. I have a new uh, podcasting table here, so he's he's here. He's listening. He's got a smile. Well, as much as the pork can smile, he's happy. I'm keeping her happy. Is are you saying the pork is in the corner? <laughs> Oh, nobody puts, puts baby in a corner. Nope. Nobody ah. puts porgy in a corner. <laughs> that was like a race, Dave. You beat everybody to it. Uh, okay, to- it's funny you mentioned Steve Sansweet, Greg, because funny enough, I've got another Steve Sansweet story to talk about today. I hold in my hands. Oh, this the- is a good one. This is a good one. I hold in my hands the latest edition of Star Wars Insider Magazine. See it? This there. is a real there. publication. This is legit Star Wars Insider. This is this is not fake news. No, this is real news. Uh, just hit newsstands today as we record the show on, what is it, the 7th? Yes. Yeah, November yes. 7th was released today online and uh, in stores. If you look in the corner of the, of the front cover of, uh, this is issue 185 of Star Wars Insider, there is an article there in the corner, and it says, The Hidden Treasures of Rancho Obi-Wan. So if you flip to page 41 of this issue, there's an article about the hidden treasures of Rancho Obi-Wan. And for those of you that don't know, and, and uh, uh, Calissa, this is a Star Wars museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, on page 41, a piece that was created by my daughter, Erin, 
is highlighted at Rancho Obi Wan, and there you have it. It's the no princess, shit, princess the Princess Leia button mural is in Star Wars Insider, right wow. next to the Ralph McQuarrie banner from the original San Diego Comic Con. Really Aaron got a call out in Star Wars Insider. Yeah, that? So they, that is fucking rad. Yeah, the article is they asked him to pick, like, what are your five notable pieces? So, yeah, that it's in there and that it literally is next to that banner, which was an original Ralph McQuarrie banner. That's what they put up on the table at the 1976 San Diego Comic-Con when nobody knew what the hell Star Wars even was. Something that Steve has uh, said, I will go back into the museum if it's on fire to get that banner, that he put that piece of artwork next to it. That is so tremendous and amazing it's incredible it's such yeah. an honor so tremendous so amazing <laughs> it's the biggest star wars museum ever so did you get a heads up that this was going to happen or were you just randomly flipping through the star wars insider magazine in your underwear with your uh, with your with your nope. you know so yeah so it was a normal <laughs> a normal tuesday night is what so <laughs> so a couple weeks ago uh one of the docents that's actually been on our show uh mark marita friend of the show messaged me and he says hey man go pick up star wars uh insider issue 185 and i go what what is it and he goes i can't say i can't tell you oh. so i knew oh. it was coming trust me yeah and uh i also have to say thank you mark uh for highlighting that for me but also mark marita is called out here on page 44 there's a little snippet about him and also john nagel who's also been on our show is also called out here and his lovely wife melissa Excellent. As is Ann Newman, that Dave and I got to meet Ann up at Rancho Obi-Wan as well. Ann Newman? Yep. So uh, congratulations to my daughter Ann, and uh, she's on her way. Working artist. That is awesome, dude. That is really, really cool. It is a very, very, it was a very big day. We went and bought like five copies over at the Barnes and Noble tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, maybe we should raffle one of these magazines off as well. And I can have Erin sign the page where her artwork is. How about that? She wouldn't do that for you. I know her better than that. I'd have to pay her. You're right about that. Yes. All right. Well, that's all I got, guys. I think it's time for the news. Let's get into it. From ABC News World Headquarters. This is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the wretched high. So be hurt. For a minute there, I thought you were going for Tweet of the Week. I was like, shit, are we done already? (laughs) No, but but we do. uh, I'm at the election desk right now, and we do have a call. We do have a call here. Palpatine is still the emperor. <laughs> he was unanimously reelected. Everybody go about your business. There's nothing more to see here. When all of his foes were vanquished mysteriously. Yeah. So guys, Ryan Johnson made some huge news this week and we got to talk about this. And I so wish that Scott was here tonight. I can't believe he's missing this. He's going to want to weigh in on this. I'm sure next week. Ryan Johnson tweeted out that Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi was 100% consistent with the Luke from the last from the original trilogy. Uh, this is reading from sci-fi.com. Uh, Ryan Johnson has suffered an unprecedented amount of online abuse for a film that is still one of the biggest box office hits of all time 
and a critical darling, but some Star Wars fans will never be satisfied, even as the new movies and TV series aim to refocus the franchise. Uh, he, let's see, it says, uh, a, commenter on, uh, a commenter on Twitter levied the complaint that no change, uh, sorry, levied the complaint that to change Luke so much and have one little flashback scene to explain why was just bad storytelling. So Ryan Johnson uh, pushed back on that, and he tweets. This is from uh, this is a tweet from November fifth. Ryan Johnson, hot take: Luke is in fact one hundred percent consistent with his character, not the way he's described in the marketing blurbs, but his actual, based on his words and actions, character from the OT. I'll be at the bar if you need me. So, uh, what's your take on this? You, uh, I want to hear from Nico first on this. Nico, do you agree? With Ryan Johnson, is this the is is this the Luke Skywalker that we knew from the prequels? No, this is a Luke like twenty years later. <laughs> fair, fair observation. Do you feel like his behavior in accurate. the last in the Last Jedi was consistent with his behavior in the original trilogy? No. Are you backing? It might, it might be consistent with the Luke from twenty years later. We don't know what happened in those twenty years. We weren't there. We didn't see it. But I still don't agree with it. All right. Fake fair news. enough. So it's fake news. All right, Dave, what say you? You agree with Ryan here? Of course I agree with Ryan. See, this of is so much... Of course I agree with Ryan because he's right and he's at the bar buying me a drink right now. This is so much less fun without Scott. Scott would be losing his freaking mind right now. <laughs> he absolutely would be, but Scott would be wrong. <clears throat> there was another take that I had read this week, and I and, and God damn it, I, I, I can't remember where I read it, but it wasn't this Ryan Johnson one. Yeah. But you think about it this way. Luke Skywalker is a guy who was lied to by all of his mentors throughout his life. His uncle lied to him about his father. Uh, ben Kenobi lied to him about his father. Yoda lied to him about his father and everything like that. And everybody, every mentor and every hero he had turned out to lie to him the entire time he was growing up. So, it, of course, he rebels against it at the end of his life because he realized the Jedi are a bunch of dicks. Don't forget <laughs> that uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan lied to him about his sister who he ended up making out with later. Yes! Too. To his face, no less. And what they never talk about at all is that they also lied to him about Santa Claus. And the emotional scarring from that, he just never recovered from. Don't even mention the Easter Bunny. Oh, uh, right? God damn right. You know, I got really lucky with that. My kids figured it out on their own. I clearly remember Aaron bringing me in from the living room, and she goes, she's like, Dad, come here. And we go into her room, and she goes... I just saw a bunch of presents in the garage. It was Easter time. What is that? And I go, okay, I'm just going to tell you. Mom is the Easter bunny. You figured it out. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, she came, she brought me back in again. She goes, what about Christmas? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so she figured it all out at once on her own. I was proud of her. Yeah. I didn't have to I didn't have to cover my lies anymore. It wasn't a uh, it wasn't a beer induced just drooling spilling of all your guts and like listen <laughs> Santa Claus is a lie. So so uh, let, you let me know back me up so well here though because because I I missed something in the setup for this. What was Johnson responding to? Was it a an actual like published critic or reviewer or was it just random internet person who? You know, like say us that thinks they know a lot about literature and mythology and things like that. No, it's random internet person, just so giving just giving him grief because people give him grief. 
Okay, but but why is Ryan Johnson, this hugely successful, accomplished, talented person, responding to somebody like us? Insecurity. Yeah. You know, I, I my take on this is that he's a fan. He was a he was a fan before he was a filmmaker. And that has carried over to his filmmaking life. And he interacts with the fans a lot. I mean, it's an unprecedented time in history right now that we have access to celebrities through Twitter it, and, and stuff. And they can interact with us, and he chooses to. It's, yeah. it's an unprecedented time in history when any tool can just put their opinion out online and get a response from an actual educated working person in the field that they're they're criticizing. I mean, at least in the old days, you know, when you had – printing presses and things like that you actually had to go through some kind of scholarly regime you had to have some qualifications to be sharing your thoughts with the masses and here it i mean we're, we're getting to the point where the person who doesn't shit himself is just going to wind up being the king or the president of the united states i mean it's it's not a great time for society i get what you're saying about the directness and the interaction and the openness that's available to us but what the hell have we done with it yeah we've Twitter created twitter Twitter is a crazy tool because you do have the 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 fringe out there who are just fat shit fucking insane. But I appreciate the guys like Ryan Johnson who you can have a pleasant conversation with. Another one's Chuck Wendig, who up until recently was a was a Star Wars employee, but is no longer for various reasons. Um, but he's also very active. I mean, he'll he re, he reacts to anybody who asks him a question for the, for the most part. You know, unless you're a complete tool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like these guys are just regular guys. They just happen to be huge fans and fans feel like they have ownership. And so Ryan Johnson feels like he has a little bit of ownership to this. And he actually does have ownership because he's one of the directors of the films. But, you know, fans feel like they have ownership, just like we've talked on the show. Like I have my own headcanon. You guys have yours. You know, we feel like we own part of the franchise on our own, although we're not filmmakers and I you know I, I I applaud him for doing it, but I, I I understand where you're coming from, Dave, because it's like, why do you need to lower yourself almost to that level? Why do you have to justify anything you've done to some random guy who happens to who who thinks he knows something about what Star Wars should or shouldn't be? Well, but, if there, I, you know, if there's people who can ask a question in a respectful manner, you know, maybe you don't agree, but you can ask the question in a respectful manner, and then there's the people who are just trolls, and I think you you know you don't feed the trolls. But you can engage in conversations with people who are going to be respectful. It just tw- it reminds me of years ago, or, or even it just happened uh, recently. Like Triumph, the insult comic dog, was uh, was down at the Texas Senate race, and he was interacting with Beto, and he was interacting with Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz tried to play rough with Triumph, the insult comic dog, and Triumph just bit back at him. Like you never, if you tr- get involved in a conversation like that, you are always going to lose. And yeah. Senator Cruz was not smart enough to understand that. And that's that's where it is with the trolls and the fringies and these people. They they don't have anything better to do except just sit there and clap back at you, regardless of how informed your opinion may actually be. Right. Completely. Yeah, exactly. and, and and a lot of those people have taken their cues from people like Donald Trump, who you know, I don't know that any of us are fans of Donald Trump Donald Trump, but Donald he, Trump. He, he is a he is a Twitter master. I mean, he really is. He is the, he is legitimately the self glossed Ernest Hemingway of Twitter, and I, he is not far off base with that. Yeah. 
guys, we've got some other stuff to talk about here, uh, specifically from episode nine. Coming up, episode nine. 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 Just a little bit over a year from now. Actually, do we? So we are approaching. Wait. Oh, are we done? Are we not done? No, I have a prediction question. I meant All to right. ask this last time. Oh. What are we going to get first? Are we going to get an episode nine trailer, teaser, whatever you want to call it? Or are we going to get an Avengers 4 trailer, teaser, whatever you want to call it? Uh, I'm, I'm basing this off of nothing, but I'm calling Star Wars first. I'm, I'm still saying that the Star Wars trailer drops around Thanksgiving and Avengers around Christmas. Black Friday was... Uh... Black Friday the year before The Force Awakens. Uh yes, The Force Awakens, thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're coming up on that right now. They are filming that movie right now. You got it. Um, they are filming it. Nico Nico, what do you think? I'm gonna go with Greg on this one. I think Star Wars before Avengers. Just because we've had an Avengers movie since the last episodic Star Wars film. I think it'll be longer in the making. And and you know that really what's going to happen in the Avengers movie while we all want to see it and I for one cannot wait to see it I know what's going to happen in it you know it's it's not a surprise I have no idea what's going to happen in the Star Wars uh, movie I'm really excited to see where that's going to go I know what's going to happen in the Avengers movie they're going to put the MacGuffin into the doohickey the end they're going to stop the big sky beam and then all will be well they're going to get to the chopper Nico are you putting on deodorant by chance yeah. no sir. Okay. Was that cheese whiz? What was that? What that was? <laughs> taking a shower. He's taking a shower. Not at all. I'm sitting here in silence. I think he's tagging, like you know. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know if you heard wall. it, Nico, but it just—it sounded like someone was using a, a spray paint can or something. No. So we all just assumed it was you, naturally, <laughs> for no, no reason whatsoever right. other than humorous effect. Thanks. All right. I was actually Scott farting from across Long Beach. <laughs> wow. Wow. That got dark in a quick a quick hurry. I mean, it's been 32 minutes and we haven't had any other Scott jokes yet, so it was we were due. All right, so hey, I Hey guys, Ryan Johnson's a dick. <laughs> so, going back to my question, I w- yeah. I was curious what you guys thought about that because I felt like the logical choice would be to market for the Avengers movie and as I've been thinking about it, I I've come around to kind of Greg's position, which is, and for the reason that I think everybody's super hyped for that Avengers movie. Like, we're all on overload. We're aware it's coming. I think Star Wars is actually in the position where it needs a little bit of a goose and a marketing and a reminder that, oh, yeah, there's still this fantastic story that's out here waiting to be finished in about 12 months. So so I would do Star Wars first, and I would do Avengers a little later. All right, well, let's flip that around for the next story, then. Let's do Avengers first, because we do have a... Since you're talking about Avengers 4... Really interesting story on Inverse.com talking about Avengers 4 and um, the time loop theory that gives the first Avengers movie a dark twist. Now, this is really interesting. If you're into the Avengers, you want to check this out. Um, Infinity War ended on a shockingly dark note, writes Jake Kleinman here on Inverse.com. But what if the superhero team's 2012 debut, The Avengers, was just as dark? We just didn't know it at the time. So, uh, and so I'm just going to continue to read here a little bit. Um, 
That's what an intriguing new Avengers 4 theory argues, combining some of the most popular theories around from time travel and Tony Stark making a new Infinity Gauntlet to cobble together what could potentially be a huge spoiler for the upcoming movie. So the scene in the first Avengers movie when Iron Man intercepts a nuclear missile. Now you have to follow this. This is a little convoluted, so follow, follow me here intercepts a nuclear missile sent to take out the alien invasion and most of Manhattan and redirects it up into space where it collides with the alien ship. Then Tony plummets back down to Earth, barely slipping through the shrinking portal in the sky. So the theory goes that Tony Stark actually died when he went through the portal. And the future Tony Stark replaced him and made it back through time at the ex- at that exact moment. <clears throat> well, if, he, if, if, if Tony died, how does future Tony come through? I would think it would have to be future Tony yeah. is the one who goes up into the portal and like from the past Tony was up there hanging out in space somehow and shoots through the portal right before and kind of cuts off future Tony. Hmm. So yeah, this... if past Tony dies, future Tony never lives. Yeah, it, it. I think it's a really interesting theory, and there may be something to it. I just don't know that how they've got it executed is the way to pull it off. Because I, I, you guys picked up on it too. That that time loop doesn't ever close. It just creates a paradox, which which is bad. Right, space-time continuum would fall apart if Tony Stark died and wasn't able to live to come back in time and save himself. Right. Everything I've ever heard from comic books says that uh, paradoxes are bad. Well, I was yeah. going to go with Einstein and Hawking myself, but comic books will do, sir. Comic Ro- books will do. Rookies. I mean, Rookies. It, it is Marvel. Those fucking know nothings. So. Go ahead, go ahead, Nico. <laughs> Hold on, go ahead, have, Nico. We could just have Hulk smash a hole through reality. That's. Hmm. Marvel comic book canon. So that so, would work. Yes. Now you're with me, Nico. Thank you. So the author here at inverse.com uh, also notes uh, rather dryly at the end that this is a convenient way for Marvel to write Robert Downey Jr. out of the series since his contract is up at the end of this movie. Do we would really you... think that he wants to be out of these movies? Oh, I don't know. I, I think mean, Mar- I think Marvel wants him out of the movies. Not, not I, that they don't appreciate, but I think they realize that he is now a a sixty year old actor, starring in 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 these in these you know high energy action films. Um, that's that's you know it it needs you know he's he's not going to be able to do it forever. So no, it's it's ludicrous. It's like bringing Stallone back for another Rambo. <laughs> well, <laughs> that'll never happen. Well, they are re- they are Tom rebooting. Mission uh, Impossible. They are rebooting, uh, rebooting Terminator with uh, Schwarzenegger next year. That's confirmed. Yeah, it's called Terminator Six: The Geritol Years. <laughs> For a brief moment, I heard a million voices cry out in pain, <laughs> and then we're suddenly silenced. And we're suddenly but, silenced. It's but amazing I, how it, the Terminator really, the Terminator franchise is like the Terminator robot. You cannot kill it, no matter how bad those movies are. It just keeps fucking coming back. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, I, I like, I do like where that Avengers theory is trying to go, just because I do feel in my heart 
that time travel is going to play a part in this movie. I do think that the title of this movie will be Avengers Forever, uh, playing off of the classic early aughts uh, story by Kurt Busiek, Avengers Forever, that involved Avengers from various points on the time stream, past, present, and future, banding together for a fantastic adventure. Hmm. All right. Do you think... You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Nico. Nico... No, I agree with Dave 100% that time travel is how they're going to yeah. make this happen. Um, my theory is that, and I actually got this from a YouTube channel, and it is super awesome. Um, the guy's name is Rob, and his channel is Comics, Comic Books Explained, Comics hmm. Explained, something like that. But his theory, if you watch the films, you'll notice that any of the uh, Infinity Stones... They only glow when they are being used. And when Doctor Strange pulls the time stone out of the star, it's glowing. He's using the stone as he's giving it to Thanos before he puts it into the gauntlet. Hmm. So before Thanos gets the time stone, Doctor Strange is already using it and the time travel something is already happening yeah i buy that it, it's it it's it's heavily foreshadowed in the avengers movie when he glimpses into the future views and and has visions of 14 million whatever it is different paths and only one of them uh is is the way to defeat thanos so it's it's seriously implied that he has to give up the stone to defeat thanos so yeah absolutely yeah, it has to go up the stone, and Tony Stark has to live. Yeah. All right. A- and since he's Doctor Strange, even though he melted away at the end of Avengers, it, it, what happened to his astral form? Is he able to project his astral form into the uh, into the astral plane and control things from there? Because he's a Doctor Motherfucking Strange, like a Force or, Ghost Yoda. Yeah. Or or what did he do in the uh, in the downtime between scenes? Like I. There's a very popular theory floating around, I think we've mentioned it before, that he goes back in time and hands Nick Fury the pager to contact Captain Marvel and says, hey, at some point in your future life, people are going to start turning to dust around you. You need to just push this button and things will be better. Hmm. All right. Yeah, somebody's got to tell him that because how else would Fury know that that's when you have to uh, push the button? Yeah, there there was not a lot of hesitation. He saw what was happening and instantly went to press that pan- that specific panic button. Yeah. Whereas he didn't do it, you know, during the first Avengers or during the Sokovia invasion or anything like that. Never pushed the button. Yeah, during any of the other numerous crises that we've seen him be involved with, let alone anything he might have been involved with prior to that. God damn it, Doctor Strange, you sneaky little sorcery bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the uh, that is the pager for Captain Marvel. Yeah, supposedly. All right. Not supposedly, definitely. It definitely is. All right. Okay. There's a there's a giant logo that appears on the on the pager. Okay. That'd be like seeing the bad signal and asking if that's for Batman. Exactly. Supposedly. Got it. Okay. All right. Allegedly. All right. So. Let's get back to some other rumors. This is a Star Wars show. At least it 
is sometimes. What? Yeah, I know. Star Wars and other stuff. That's true. That was a lot of other stuff. So, all right. We have some rumors about Episode Nine, guys. And one of the most ridiculous ones, although it's kind of intriguing when you think about it. Star Wars Episode Nine. Nine! Ha- they, have, they have hired Matt Smith. Yes, they have. Of course, of uh, uh, Doctor Who fame and many other sure. shows. Not, not, that not Matt, Matt Money Smith. <laughs> okay. The British actor Matt Smith. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so the rumor is, in episode nine, he will play a young Emperor Sheev Palpatine. What do you think I'm about okay, that? I'm okay with that, but it better be a flashback. <laughs> There's no time travel in Star Wars. That's not I, that. I, I don't need another movie with time travel in it. I've got all I can wrap my head around in the Avengers right now. So unless yeah. Thanos is going back and giving the yeah. Infinity Stones to Sheev's palps, I don't want to see it. Star Trek, time travel. Marvel, time travel, sure. Star Wars, no. It's, can't happen. Ludicrous. They don't time travel in fantasy. Ludacris is in Star Wars too. No, it's in Spaceballs. Ah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do I have here? I would oh, love to see the Ludacris in, in like a Fast and Furious <laughs> Star Wars movie. <laughs> Another big rumor, and actually, this is this is legit. This is less of a rumor and more of a an actual story here, because of the source Variety.com, one of the best sources. We often pull from J.J. Abrams seeking a record-shattering overall mega deal that several major Hollywood studios are courting J.J., who is looking to land a lucrative mega deal with a big media company, a number of Hollywood insiders told Variety recently. This is dated uh, November 2nd. Uh, Abrams is eager to set a new high-water mark for the value of the deal, with some speculating he hopes for a pact worth Half a billion dollars. The talks are being shepherded by CAA President Richard Lovett, Abrams' agent and attorneys, Alan Worthmeyer and Jim Jackaway. So, isn't isn't not is is JJ not locked in with Lucasfilm with Disney Lucasfilm? No, no Paramount. He's a free agent. Oh, Paramount. He was so, now. Is he still with Paramount, or have has the Star Trek stuff kind of fulfilled his obligation? Um, I think he is still locked in because was it weren't they pissed that he came back to episode nine? Wasn't there some big negotiation about him coming back to episode nine? Wasn't there some controversy there that we or was that for episode seven? And I'm just conflating the two. I I think my recollection is that they were they were upset but understanding about episode seven it was kind of like a well it's that's a once in a lifetime moment and really it'll enhance his value for us when he comes home and nine was the one that they were that they were pissed about nine was mm. the one where somebody had to cough up some serious money so maybe they maybe that was the uh what forced them to go screw you we're moving on with other people and fuck star trek and all that other garbage that's going on right now yeah and i i I think a critical turning point moment for this negotiation is going to be how well Overlord does at the box office. I think it's this weekend, isn't which it? Looks, which looks really like intriguing. I actually want to see it. I am interested in seeing it. I don't know that I'm you know, $10 a ticket interested in seeing it, but I definitely want to check it out. Truth. Now, discussion for the group, guys, um, and gal out there. Um, what... Is, is J.J. Abrams a great director? 
Is he is he a Spielberg? Is he a Peter Jackson? Is he you know in that next level pantheon of directors, or is he just a really good director? I, I I'll go first. I I would put him right now as a really good director, just because I don't think he's established a box office track record with kind of his own projects. I don't think he has that thing that you know a Spielberg has or, or even as a Mechas or, or the, those guys have to develop and shepherd other projects that aren't just the big studio franchise tent poles. Okay, so I, I brought up for sake of discussion his IMDB page here. So here here are his director credits. Alright, starting with early on in his career, television, Felicity. Everybody loves Felicity. That wins it. I mean, yes, he's a great director just based on Felicity. It's it's a poor man's Gilmore Girls, let's be real. Never seen one episode. A little show called Lost. You may have heard of it. Watched watched the first season, never went back. He actually... (laughs) Really? Shut up. Really? Yeah, no, really, really. Okay, that's tough, because I at least made it to the fourth season before I started to question myself. (laughs) Well, I I take it back. I think I watched the very last episode just because I wanted to see the hype, you know? But... No, yeah. I never went back. It, it was just as is. I was like, "Fuck this show." It was, you know, yeah. it was too much. Well, I would. I actually watched the whole thing and watched it again. I I did too, and I loved it. And I will say, Greg, as a challenge to you, even though you still haven't taken my machete cut challenge for Star Wars yet, and it's been several months. <laughs> if you you should try binging Lost, because I have to say, I actually enjoyed it better when I binged it and watched it all over the space of like, you know, a month rather than having it spread out over six years. The storyline held together so much better. That might be the way to go. Yeah, that might be the way to do it. So I will I will see if I can work that into my schedule. No guarantees. As we all know, I was barely able to RSVP for my own anniversary party. So <laughs> I will do my best, guys. That's I'm right. just going to say I got confused when they were on a deserted island and then they started using running waters and submarines. Mm, yeah. The island wasn't that deserted. That was that was kind of the conceit of the show. but Right. Yeah. And they were able to move the island, by the way. Anyway, spoiler alert. Spoiler. But okay, keep uh, going. Keep going. Okay, Alias. Now, now, it, truth is, he only directed two episodes of Lost. He was the producer on Lost. It was his bigger role. But he also yeah. directed Alias. Uh, five episodes. Okay, now we get into his films. By the way, Alias was fun. First two episodes. I'm pretty sure two, Alias first two was seasons. Lost, but okay. Um. Uh, it started before Lost, yes, and they ended about the same time. All right, so that is back to 2004 for Lost. Wow, has it been that long? Holy cow. Calista, when were you born? 2001. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Right. Wait. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Mind blown. Post? Uh, po- I, I, okay, I'm just wrapping my mind around that I'm <laughs> talking to a post-9-11. Yeah, yeah you yeah. are. Yep. Okay. All right. Ja- Jasper is a post-9-11 being. You do it all the time. It's not that big a deal. Oh, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna bother me the next time I talk to Jasper. I I two of my spawn are post post nine eleven, and one just missed by a few months. All right, here we go, guys. Back to the movies. Mission Impossible three, his first feature. It's pretty good. pretty good pretty franchise tentpole though. Yes, yeah. good movie. It ended horribly. 
Uh, okay, that doesn't count. He did a guest director which is, spot which is, on Jimmy which Kimmel. Which is a theme for J.J. Abrams' work, by the way. Yeah, right? That, that, could, be, that could sum up his entire career right now. <laughs> he, he directed one episode of The Office, which was Cocktails. Anyone? That's nope. odd. I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. That seems yeah. out of character. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. because you said cock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Star Trek. Star Trek was the big one for him, right? Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek is fantastic, but again, it's a great studio movie. franchise tentpole. Yeah, but yeah. It, but that is a fantastic movie. It is a great. Star movie. Tre- the Star Trek reboot is very, very, very good. Yeah, great. It, it's incredibly watchable. Incredibly I, I, uh, cast. The cast on that movie. Oh my god, they crushed it. Casting director deserved an A plus for that movie. Uh, okay. Uh, Let's see. Anatomy of Hope TV movie. I don't know what that is. Undercovers TV series. Okay, now we get into his film. Super 8. Anybody see Super 8? I did. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's clever. Yeah. yeah. It's a love letter to Steven Spielberg. Yeah, and it's, it's, like, it's, it's solid, but... Yeah, it's like it's like E.T. mixed with Stranger Things, so... Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, prequel for Stranger Things, for sure. Uh... Mm. Star Trek Into Darkness. Blue. Okay. Uh, a little movie called Star Wars Good. The Force well, Awakens. Blow. Into Darkness didn't blow. Let's be, wait, wait, wait. Back up. Star Trek Into okay. Darkness was not horrible. But you're right. It wasn't It wasn't great. You know, though, they, the, the, fat, the thing that pissed me off most about that movie, guys, the thing that pissed me off most is they established the first reboot movie saying, okay, all of old Trek still lives... This is new Trek, you know, it's just a different timeline, so we didn't fuck with your canon, you guys can still have it, we're going to tell new stories. And the first shot out of the gate, they go back and tell an old story. And I was like, fuck (laughs) you guys. (laughs) They Uh, absolutely succumbed to peer pressure with that. Yeah, Yeah. weak. Um, He directed a video game called Spy Jinx. All right. And uh, and then Star Wars Episode Nine, which is currently filming. That's it. No, you you skipped seven. Yeah, you skipped Episode Seven. Oh, I'm sorry, I said it, but you guys didn't hear me. Uh, Star Wars, yeah, The Force Awakens, 2015. Yeah, he's got a a respectable but not great film track record so far. I'd classify him as a good director. I'm with you, Dave. Yeah, and I think I think he could be a great director. I absolutely do, but just based on the body of work as presented so far, I have to say good. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So is he worth all this money that they're putting out for him? Fuck, I, don't, I wouldn't put out that much money for him. Well, you're just th- buying the name at that point. That's all you're buying is the name. Well, I think you could argue that some they're also buying his writing. I mean, he's gotten quite a bit of writing credits here. Uh, got his big break in 1991 with Regarding Henry, starring one of our guys, uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, that was not a great movie, by the way. Forever Young. Gone Fishing. Mel Gibson? Forever yes. Young. Who's in Forever Young? Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson. Wasn't it? Yep. That was in 92. Gone and Fishing. Armageddon. He wrote the screenplay for Armageddon. Oof. Yeah. Ouch. Oof. Ouch. <laughs> Lots that, of Felicity. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing him any favors right now, am I? 
Uh, lost now, now Felicity. Now all of a sudden the approach to the asteroid looking like a really shitty remake of The Empire Strikes Back makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> so you talk. So you talk about guys writing things when they're unknown. So you got you got J.J. Abrams doing Armageddon and Joss Whedon doing Toy Story. Which one do you think is the better writer? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> Well, uh, studios are eager to land him, and he is going to get a blockbuster deal, to say the least. Very likely, J.J. Abrams doing pretty well for himself. Good for he's him. Mar- he's marketed himself very well as Steven Spielberg Jr. <laughs> does not show does not shown up yet in his uh, in his uh, body of work. Spielberg light, as it were. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I see no close encounters there. I see no catch me if you can there. Yeah. yeah, Close Encounters, Jaws, oh, shit. I see no 1941 in there. I I may see a term. <laughs> I may see a terminal in there, but I don't see anything. Else. <laughs> well, you know, Disney is his current employer, and uh, it's worth noting that uh, back on November 1st, just a few days ago, about a week and a half ago, as the uh, as this show airs, Disney bought Lucasfilm in 2012 uh, on November 1st, and already. I guess what would that be? Six years later, recouped its four billion dollar investment. This is uh, yeah, reported think, by uh, CNBC.com. Do you think that deal worked out? Done pretty well. Yeah, maybe the four, maybe the four maybe. Star Wars feature films from Disney uh, have grossed four point eight billion at the box office during that time. But they had hmm. to pay to produce the films as well as buy the rights to produce the films. So how much did it cost to make all of those movies on top of buy the rights to even make them? Are you asking me to do math right now? No, I'm asking Dave okay. to do it because obviously you can't. <laughs> math math so is hard, I think, as you know. I think that's a very – I think it's the astute question to ask. We'll never know because they don't make the budgets completely public knowledge. My guess is they've probably sunk another six to eight hundred million dollars in on the movies they've done so far. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a guess, and at least well, that much in marketing. Yeah, so let's say we're talking six billion for expenditures, purchasing the company and and everything afterwards. The other piece of it that we can't track: what have they gotten out of all of the ancillary rights? What have they gotten out of toys, other media? You know. Blu-ray, DVD sales. I'm guessing anywhere from a billion to a billion and a half. Yeah, they're they're building two large-scale expansions to both of their theme parks, um, and and God knows what's that what that's going to bring in. Disneyland's going to be insane next year. It's going to be absolutely insane yeah. next year. So, uh, it, I think they're all right. <laughs> and I also know that how people do accounting makes not one goddamn lick of sense to anybody who does basic math. Because I know I have a rental property, and according to my accountant, I lost $20,000 last year. And, I, and, he's, and he's explained it to me, and it makes sense on the paper, but I couldn't explain it to anybody else. So, Well, and it should also be noted here later in this article, it talks about uh, our best friend, um, the very ever-exciting Bob Iger. Bob Iger. Who, Bob Iger, who um, Bob Iger, who became Disney CEO in twenty uh, two thousand five, he purchased Pixar for seven point four billion, and Marvel for four billion. Uh, both production companies have gone on to make billions at the box office, seventeen billion 
for Marvel movies across 20 films and 13 billion for Pixar films. So I think uh, yeah, Disney's they're doing okay. I think yeah, they're that, doing all right. That Marvel purchase by the way, that was that is the best value I think any movie studio has probably spent in the last 60 years. I think you're okay. probably right about that. So is the another question for the group here. Get get ready for it. So who is the who is the greater Disney executive? Eisner during the Katzenberg years or Bob Iger during the Marvel Star Wars years? It's a little game we like to call Star Wars Choices. Think of a hard choice you'll face in the near future. Let's choose. Okay, would you rather be intimate with a Wookiee? Choose wisely. Or be intimate with Ula, but Jabba gets to watch. I just assume he's a wolf. Star Wars Choices on the Wretched Hive podcast. As I always say, you will not hear this on any other Star Wars podcast. So, Greg, give us your Star Wars choice for this week. Well, the choice was between Eisner and uh, Iger for greatest Disney CEO. Um, and while Eisner may have flamed out, Eisner took a property that was struggling after, well, I think I, he was kind of responsible for the Black Cauldron, but a- after the death of Walt, they kind of stumbled a little bit in getting properties together. But Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King brought that company back from the brink all Iger had to do was write a couple checks fuck that guy I'm with you I go Eisner on this one I mean all the he really relaunched uh, what Disney is in in its in its sort of like core self it's a it's a animation studio house that's how mm-hmm. Disney started that's the bread and butter and that's changed a little bit over the years, but Eisner knew that, and he brought it back, and he fought for it, and he won, and he just handed the keys to the mansion to Iger. Yeah. Okay, so Eisner was a complete and total douche, first of all. <laughs> Completely. Absolutely. Completely. Just, no I argument mean, there. like, Glenn Fry-level <laughs> dickheadedness. Oh, wow. That's just, a, that's that's some serious dickhead in this there. And and really his success was that he hired very smart people like Katzenberger and the guy whose name escapes me right, right now who died in the helicopter crash uh and then didn't listen to any of them and chased them the fuck out of the company because he wanted all the credit for himself to be the greatest CEO of all time. And he's just a dick who didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he lucked into this shit. But, I mean, to say he's kind of responsible for the Black Cauldron is like saying Mussolini is kind of responsible for World <laughs> War II. It's just it that, that doesn't compute. <laughs> Iger, on the other hand, is a highly respected executive who had to clean up a lot of bruised ego and bullshit when Eisner was chased out of the company by the surviving Disney family and the rest of the board. Iger is so well-respected and has done so well, he was supposed to retire and is staying on at everybody's request. And nobody's egos are bruised about this. And he, by the way, hires smart people and lets them be smart people, which is the key to being a good leader. Okay, so the, the, Star, Wars choices, the, the Star Wars Choices is not who's the man of the year. 
It's who was the most, <laughs> who was the better executive for the company? Yeah. I, I totally, totally Iker. Eisner took risks. So what 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 you have in the in the in the mid to late seventies and the early eighties when he, when he was really in the rise to power there, he was finishing out Walt's legacy and he was living in Walt's shadow. And that's how you end up with the rescuers and that's how you end up with the Black Cauldron because those are both properties that that Walt early early was early in development on when he died in the was in the in the early sixties when he died, and they and the people at Disney didn't know what to do. And so they had all this shit and they laid it in Eisner's lap and he had to clean it up. So or it, it, he felt like he had to use it, not clean it up. He felt like he had to use it. But once he did bring in smart people and let, and start letting them take risks, I mean, a little mermaid was a huge risk for the company. They, if, if it wasn't successful there, the company was just dust. They were done for. And he literally brought them back from the brink. Iger didn't Iger, very smart. Don't get me wrong. Genius guy. But really, all he had to do was acquire properties. That's all he did. He didn't take any risk to do that. Buying Marvel was not a risk. Buying Star Wars was not a risk. Buying Pixar was not a risk. He just had to write the check. I I think you're grossly oversimplifying <laughs> the process of acquiring a company and what goes in with that. And buying 20th Century Fox, that is a risk. Getting in a bidding war with Comcast over it that is a risk. And I have no doubt it's going to pay off, but it, it's a risk. Launching it, this new streaming service is a risk. He's going to be probably converting Star Wars and, to a certain extent, Marvel to being streaming properties here in the future. And they'll be successful because you know why? It's not a risk. We both know it's going to be successful, Dave. It's not a risk. I I don't know about that. <laughs> All, all I have to do is watch season one of Iron Fist, which I still haven't been able to do, and I understand <laughs> it's not as simple as just saying, oh, it's streaming, it will make millions. All right, so Nico, it's up to you. What say you, Eisner or Iger? Um, I'm going to go with Eisner just because the Disney films that were produced in his reign are the classics. They're the films that will never be forgotten, that are... The backbone, the the cornerstone of the Disney Corporation. They're the ones that you know carry on through the ages. Like I don't think, you know, in in another twenty years, you're still going to remember Beauty and the Beast and and the Little Mermaid. Black Cauldron. Where, huh? Black Cauldron. <laughs> All right. You don't I... like the Black Cauldron? It's kind of a shitty movie. It's it's super dark. Oh, it's a it's an absolutely shitty movie. Oh yeah. It's a but... shitty movie, shitty movie. What's worse, Black Cauldron or Solo? Black Cauldron. <laughs> Black Cauldron. Ooh. All right, so that's three to one. Sorry, Dave, you're on the wait, losing wait, end on this wait, one. Wait, wait, we have a part. We have somebody on the show tonight. Oh, that has a that's game. right. Listen, I'm so sorry. Proxy. We have a Scott uh, Proxy. <laughs> okay, right, you have to say wait, wait, wait. Let me jump in here when you talk. First of all, because he always says that. Uh, no, so Bob Iger or Michael Eisner. I'm gonna go with Eisner just because. Suck it, Potter. <laughs> Let her finish. Just because. Set the basis for what Disney was going to become with uh, Bob Iger and all that he could make it what he wanted to be. Well, I'm partly biased because I'm older, younger than you guys, I guess, and then I also have an attachment to Iger's generation and the Marvel films and the 
in the Star Wars films, but I still have a stronger attachment to the older Disney movies and the basis of Disney. Classics. There you go. Boom. Classics. Mic drop. This has been also, Star Wars I Choices. Wow. We have a smart intern. All right. Well, Dave, you're absolutely correct, though, in saying there's probably not a bigger douchebag on the planet than Michael Eisner. The guy... Uh, Glenn Fry might be, but just just saying. Fuck. I mean, they are, they are sitting somewhere in hell together right now, even though Michael Eisner is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, seriously, just... If you can find it, it's online. Mike Ovitz, who was hired from CAA to be the president of Disney under Mike Eisner. Ovitz was legitimately the most powerful person in Hollywood at that point. And he writes about his time with Eisner, and it is just, it is a fucking horrific train wreck and dumpster fire, and it is absolutely horrible. And even if you allow for Ovitz is probably biased and exaggerating the situation, it's still inexcusable. And that excerpt is online, because I remember reading it, and please do check it out, because... It, it's supporting argument for what Greg and I are saying right here. Glenn Fry, Michael Eisner, and Johnny Cochran walk into a bar. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right, somebody mentioned... Johnny, Johnny Cochran? I don't know. I just <laughs> yeah, it. what do you have against Johnny Cochran? <laughs> He's in hell with Glenn Fry. I don't know. Wow. Um, all right, guys, somebody mentioned... What did he do? Somebody meant... Do we need to rehash all of that? <laughs> anyway. Uh... Somebody mentioned the Disney streaming service. And it's funny you mention it because we have a we have a story about it from Digital Spy, Disney streaming service, price, release date and what it means for Marvel and Star Wars. Uh this thing is going to be a huge success. I I can't I can't imagine it not being successful. In the US, this is according to Not according to, to Dave. Dave says it's a risk. Again, digitalspy.com. <laughs> In the U.S., a Netflix ba- a Netflix basic plan costs seven ninety nine a month. Premium plan thirteen ninety nine a month. So, according to this article, we're looking at at least thirteen ninety nine a month for the Disney streaming service. When will it launch? Some point next year, twenty nineteen. Uh, it's coming up right around the corner now. Uh, the service will have approximately 7,000 episodes of television and 500 movies available for streaming. Now, it could be, it actually could be as much as $25 a month. So I'm curious to know, how much would you guys spend? What's your What's your threshold for spending a monthly fee to be able to stream every Disney movie produced? Well, I had always heard that it was Iger's plan to make this thing less than the Netflix standard plan. So I think he was shooting for an under 10 or maybe even an under $9 model. I, I'm surprised to hear that $25 number. That's kind of shocking. That's shocking unless they have stuff like Song of the South and the Star Wars Hollywood special in there because I would mm. easily pay that for a month just to be able to watch those movies. <laughs> <laughs> not even a question. But yeah, I... I agree with Greg. Everything that I have read, okay. it made it sound like the, the goal is to go at Netflix and to beat Netflix on price because we're Disney. And as I'm fond of saying on the show, what's the point of having fuck you money if you never say fuck you? That's right. 
launch it, be a loss leader, and once people are hooked on it because of all the wonderful new content and old content, because remember, this isn't just going to be the Disney stuff. This is going to be all of the Fox library that they have access to, and that deal looks like it's going to close early. That deal looks like it's going to close effective January 1, 2019. So they're going to be primed and ready to go here. And if you're telling me the price point is 8 bucks a month to add on-demand access to all of that to my desktop box, I'm totally fine. Sign me up. Please take yeah. my money. Yeah. I am I, completely 100% in for sub $10 a month. Over $10 a month, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Okay. I'd spend fifteen bucks a month to watch the Mandalorian. Ooh, that's Mando. right. We forgot about the original programming, the Mandalorian being filmed right now in Manhattan Beach. All right. So let's was, last time. I I do want to ask our wonderful intern to also weigh in on this one because I think she's in actually a target audience for this in terms of a price point. Yeah. I think it is a big competitor with Netflix, and it's definitely trying to poke at Netflix and trying to dethrone them as the head of the streaming service. Because there are other ones out there, but that's kind of like the head of it all. And I think it will to an extent, because this generation, my generation, is wants to look at those old movies and wants to take the old movies and the new movies, the Disney movies, and the Fox movies too and have them in one place because they're not on Netflix right now. But at the same time, who's paying for the accounts? It's probably not going to be the kids of my generation. It's going to be their parents who aren't necessarily drawn to the Disney Channel original movies that we're drawn to that are going to be on there. But at the same time, as we grow up, I probably bet that we will be spending that $15 a month or less, hopefully, or probably more. Yeah, we'll I, see. I think that's spot on. I do too. And let's be clear, your generation is younger and better than even Nico's generation. We want to be Shut clear up. about that, right? <laughs> now, quick question. Are they going to put all of the quote-unquote vaulted Disney movies are going to be on there? Like all these movies that you can't buy on DVD or VHS anymore because they've been vaulted? That might be the, older the movies? that might be the fifteen dollar a month question right there. Right, the right? difference. Between, right, the difference between a an eight nine. Let's just call it an eight ninety five a month plan, or a a fourteen ninety five a month plan. If the eight ninety five a month plan is just stuff, and they rotate vaulted movies in and out of that on the same schedule that they they make them available on Blu rays or something similar, that might make sense, but. The fifteen ninety five a month might be you get access to everything. The vault door is wide open. The vault door is never closed to you, VIP customer. Right. Speaking of the vault door never being closed to you, I think we may have lost Mr. Lent. Oh. Oh, oh no, he's, he's right there staring at me. He hasn't frozen. blinked in it's, like three minutes. It's really creepy. No, it's <laughs> really creepy. Hang on, we gotta we better just take a picture of this so we can put it up. <laughs> That's the creepy Greg look. Hmm. Uh, Greg, if you can hear us, blink your eyes. No. Nope. Not happening. That, that is just, yeah. So I'm, I'm rereading this article while we wait for Greg to figure out his uh, connection. Um, what we'll be streaming, all this article says is 
the 7,000 episodes of television and 500 movies. This will be in part made up with new original movies uh, with budgets for these projects ranging from 25 to 100 million according to Deadline. Notable film projects in the works include live action takes on Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan, Sword in the Stone, the reboots of Three Men and a Baby, Father of the Bride, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and The Parent Trap. Hasn't The Parent Trap already been remade once? Yes, yeah. with Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Lindsay Lohan. There will be no R-rated films. No so Deadpool, then. With so the, a lot of the Touchstone stuff is out. With the R-rated films going to Hulu, which Dis- Disney owns 30% of Hulu. No, they, they'll own 60% of Hulu after this. Okay. Because Disney owns 30% now, and they're buying the 30% that, that Fox owns. So they'll have majority control. Uh, in addition to the new material, Disney Service will also offer a, a vast archive of past Disney theatrical animated features and live-action films plus Pixar movies and Marvel films. So That sounds does, like the vault. Yeah, that's what that sounds like. That sounds like. like a vault model. Yeah. Okay. Did Greg go away for... Oh, there he is. Hey, man. There You're back. I'm back. Internet right. hiccup. Sorry, guys. No worries. So yeah, so we were ta- while you were frozen out there, we were talking. What if the the higher price point is for the vault, quote unquote, Disney vault films, the past movies, huh? The Song of the South, hidden behind the vault. Yeah. Well, and Nico is making the point they use the kind of vault model to cycle through what's on sale and what isn't. Like every seven years, the Little Mermaid is available for sale on Blu-ray or 4K or whatever the whatever the right. fuck the model is right now. Right. Right. And we were discussing that, okay, maybe the seven ninety five a month is you get things, you get access, but it's on that vaulted schedule. Maybe not in line with what's for sale in stores, but a vaulted schedule. And then the fifteen ninety five a month is, oh, it's VIP access. You get to see anything, anywhere, anytime that you want because you are a very important customer. Yeah, I'd be okay with them doing something like that. I, I, I think that's fair. I, I, I wouldn't balk at that. Would you spend that extra for the vaulted content? Oh hell no! <laughs> you know, but you I've... might, but you, but you might situationally, and maybe that's the key there too. Is yeah, if they like put the Mandalorian behind it, then uh, yeah, it probably yeah. would. So, but or if you're in the, or if it's like, oh, I have a Little Mermaid emergency and I have to watch the Little Mermaid, but it's vaulted out of my seven ninety five thing. I can just up my subscription for one month to fifteen ninety five a month and have access to everything for thirty days and drop it back down. Yeah, yeah, that's doable. Sure. Okay. Or you could just hack it and download it from the dark web, but you would never do that. No one would who ever would, do that who, on the show. Who would do something like that? That is piracy. Only a scruffy looking nerf herder. Ugh, God, <laughs> those guys. You know, last story, guys. There is a connection between another connection, I should say, between Star Wars and a very popular television show that's on right now. You may have heard of it called The Walking Dead. That I think some folks on this show have stopped watching. (laughs) Maybe a few seasons ago. Are you watching it, Greg? No, I've I've gave up on that show. Happily gave up on that show a long, long time ago and have not looked back, sir. So then this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler for you. Do you are you okay if I spoil just a little? Completely. All right. Completely. Okay. Nico, are you watching The Walking Dead? 
Dave? Um, I, I am current on The Walking Dead, but I feel obligated at this point to make sure Nico is current on The Walking Dead. Yeah. Since I we had... Up, I gave up, I think, uh, was the end of season six. Six or seven. Okay. It was like a year ago I stopped yeah. watching. Was that yeah. when, 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 when Glenn died? Spoiler alert. What? No. Wow. <laughs> Glenn died? Wow. Uh, no, I watched all of that one. It okay. was uh, it was in the middle of the Negan arc. I think it was the end of the first season with Negan. I was like, yeah, that's when that's when I quit too. Yeah, he, yeah, he did watch that because I remember spoiling that for him one night. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got you back I mean, with Game of Thrones. I actually, that was a group was effort. In fairness to me, but blue eye. But you Callista, know, I... do you watch The Walking Dead? No, but I'm informed about it. Okay, all right. What about the Game of Thrones? Do I watch Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. No, but I'm informed Ooh. about it. Oh. There's dragons. Yes. <laughs> dragons. There's Dra- de- dragons are greater than zombies, guys. Dragons are Thanks. greater than zombies. But math, dragons, see, that's a that's an easy math equation. We can handle that. Mm-hmm. Greater sign. But dragon zombies are greater than all. All right, so there's a connection. So Star Wars actress Kaylee Fleming. Now, if you haven't heard her name, you might not know her, but she was the young Rey in The Force Awakens. She played the little kid that was being pulled away from her parents in The Force Awakens. Oh. She those, is playing... Those drunk junk traders? Yes. Uh, the Kenobi family that dropped her off. Is um, she the uh, baby Grimes? She is Judith Grimes. Now on The oh, Walking Dead. Oh, is nice! Is she still like a baby? No, no they, she's. They did a time jump. Oh, they did. A yeah, time they jump. jumped forward a few years. She looks to be maybe six or seven in this photo. She's got Rick's hat on. Uh, of course. And Ugh. the gun. She's got the gun. So I mean, the gun is as big as she is. It's huge. Uh, and she's got uh, a sword across her back. Sword like like uh, Michonne. So is she the new star of the show now that like Andrew Lincoln left? Is she like the star now? Well, so I'm totally caught up on the last on this current season and this last week. They sort of framed her to be it's like looking that way, like she's gonna be sort of taking over as a central role, maybe not the central role like Rick, but certainly yeah, why to not be a central to a character. Six year old kid in the zombie apocalypse. Why the fuck not? That sounds like a really smart idea. Well, if because they want to go, grew up in the <laughs> if they want to go right? for another six year or ten years with the show, she's you know, say the actress is she, eight or ten, they can she's continue yeah, with she's her until she's go. eighteen. Yeah, they're gonna make her like the little Mormont chick in Game of Thrones, where she's like everybody just like completely okay. bows the, to her. The Mormont chick on Game of Thrones kicks. Ass. Yeah, she's badass. Yeah. I'm terrified of that child. Yeah, she earned it. Scared. She <laughs> earned that respect. I don't. I've got zero respect for the Grimes girl, but the Mormont girl. That girl's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, the Grimes girl was born like amidst, like in a cave, and didn't didn't Carl have to cut her out of mother? Cell. The prison. Cell, oh, that's yeah. right, prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's be real for a second. She's not the Grimes kid. Oh, that's right. She's Shane's kid, isn't that, it? That is Shane's good. kid. Ooh, that's rough. That's that a... is Shane's kid. And spoiler alert: Shane claims her. Oh, did they do? Did they do a flashback when what's his name dies? They did a delirium dream. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. props for that actor coming back because his departure from The Walking Dead was not a pleasant one. 
So someone had to do some serious talking to get him to come back. Yeah, I heard that they brought back uh, what's his name, the guy who just died too. Well, they brought him back obviously before he died because that would be weird. But um, yeah. but they yeah they, yeah, I, yeah they brought Herschel back. Herschel, that's kind of, that's, yeah. that's, kind, of that's kind of sweet and bit, it's kind of bittersweet. It was. I was not expecting that. That that moment actually caught me off guard. Yeah. Good but stuff. It's, That's a good I know show. you're not into the show anymore, but I will say I have enjoyed this first bit of season nine more so than I have any season probably since uh, season six. The build, whatever the build up to Negan was, that was the yeah. last time I truly enjoyed the show, and yeah. I I've got a little bit of that feeling here from season nine. Yeah, you know, I've that that hole has been filled for me, and I just you know maybe when the series ends, then I'll then I'll go back and check it out again. But yeah, it's like that. You know, there's nothing missing that that Walking Dead needs to fill for me at this point. So and there's so much you know there's so much TV to watch, and, and I'm I'm trying to cut back as it is. So no, no, it's fair. I just wanted to let you know it's uh, the problems that we've all discussed with it are yeah. are not prevalent anymore well they got another new showrunner this year so maybe finally somebody finally learned their fucking lesson yeah they're they're actually doing linear storytelling again it's exciting oh yeah. did they change the showrunner yeah yeah oh, i hadn't heard that yeah i was thinking yeah. I, I there's a distinct difference that you can feel and i was kind of thinking maybe they're getting back to the old style kind of to honor andrew lincoln who's been such a great wonderful influence on that whole cast and whole, the whole show now that he's going um I kind of thought maybe that had something to do with it, but the the showrunner makes sense because it really has a different feel for this season compared to last season. Yeah, yeah I know they, they promoted Scott Gimple to be like a super showrunner for the entire Walking Dead franchise, which is Walking wow. Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and these new movies that they announced that are going to be starring Andrew Lincoln telling Rick Grimes' story after the end of this episode. Yeah, that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, so he's not dead? He's He's just... Like he just abandons his family. Spoiler do, alert! Do, do you want to know what happens? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly don't care. Yeah. Okay. Welcome so to the Walking Hive podcast. <laughs> this is this is the, the Walking Hive. hive that's pretty good. The wretched dead. dead. All right. Yeah. So real quick, he is mortally wounded, and he basically appears to everybody on the show to sacrifice himself to destroy a herd of zombies. And just as a quick as Side. They've started naming zombie herds in season nine, like we name hurricanes. So it's zombie herd, you know, Alma and zombie herd Frank, which I thought was I thought was a hilarious writing touch. But he appears to sacrifice himself. Everybody thinks he's dead. He actually gets washed out to sea, where the where another character finds him, the junk queen lady. Yeah. And she has been a building subplot. She has been in radio contact with whatever this other civilization is off-screen that we see little hints of here and there that still have working helicopters. And she basically flags a helicopter to come in and save her and Rick. And that's that's the ending of it. Rick is forcefully removed from the apocalyptic zombie landscape into a helicopter and flown off into whatever this unknown civilization is. And everybody assumes he's dead, and then they do the time jump and we have Talking Judith. Oh, that's weird. That's not what I expected at all. It's not what I expected at all either. And then right after the episode aired on the East Coast, they put it up and announced it. They've signed Andrew Lincoln to a multi-picture deal with AMC Pictures. They're going to be developing, I think it's three feature-length movies starring Andrew Lincoln that will tell his storyline in this this oh. new civilization that we've not seen before. 
God, is it? I, I say I figured he was dead, and they were going to be like flashbacky kind of things. Um, uh, it sounds weird. It does sound weird, but it worked. I got to say, it worked. I I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed oh, I'm sure, the last episode. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the show. I'm just wondering how is because the show is is you know as as much as it's getting better the show is dying on the vine guys i mean it really it's it's down to that's it has less of an audience than it had in its first season at this point i mean are, is is this something people want is these movies that remains to be seen because huh. i i tend to agree with you because fear of the walking dead is not that great of a show it's yeah. just wow interesting so let's right. continue to grow the franchise while the you know the taproot of it, the Walking Dead show, hemorrhages viewers, is only starting to kind of right the ship and figure out what it's going to be. Its spinoff is in its like third incarnation at this point in season four, which is never a good sign. So yeah, I I don't know, but yeah, hmm. but it does. Yes, the episode sounds ridiculous as I say it out loud, but I did enjoy it. I questioned it a couple of times in the middle of it, but yeah. when it was done, I was like, that was actually really good, and I oh. I want to see what happens next. All right. Very cool. All right. All right. We uh, talked about The Walking Dead, and that means it's time for this. It's the Star Wars Tweet of the Week. Yeah! Really? Curious. Because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, uh, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, what do you got for us this week? Guys, I'm going off script this week, and I'll tell you why. As we record the show, it's November the 7th. Yesterday was November the 6th. It was Election Day across this great country of ours, and and uh, there was a lot of emotions that, take, that took place in all of us, I'm sure, on both sides of the aisle leading up to this election. Um, a lot of that emotion was has played out on Twitter, and Twitter is a, just a hole of suck, and despair, pit of just death and destruction and so pestilence. True. So I'm suggesting we all stay off the Twitter this week, guys, and read a fucking book. I'm going to suggest you go out and find Red Shirts. It's a story about uh, what would happen if, like, the Starship Enterprise, all the guys who wear red shirts, what if they realized that they were all being killed off by the by the uh, crew of this sh- or by the by the leaders of this ship, and if they could do everything they could to stay out of trouble. It's a really funny, really light read. I highly recommend it. Red shirts. Go look it up. You'll enjoy it. Stay off of Twitter. I'll do you one better. I just read at Dave's recommendation last year, Final Frontier. Mm-hmm. That was a fun, fun read, Dave. That was like better than the last Star Trek movie. I I really really enjoyed that. Well, that that wouldn't take a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys, cool. bag on Star Trek into dark into darkness. Star Trek Beyond was not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But yes, Final Frontier. Uh, this is a book by Diane Carey from the '80s. No relation to Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. That came several <laughs> years afterwards. But uh, Star Trek Final Frontier is a fun flashback book original star trek timeline it tells the story of george kirk uh serving with captain robert april on a secret mission aboard a test starship that is so new so new i'm telling you it has not yet been named the only thing it has is its registry number what's that number dave ncc 1701 you're goddamn right it is how about that so um um 
just point for point of fact, I actually liked Beyond better than I liked Into Darkness because the story was original. So there you go. There you go. Um, did you read Red Shirts, Dave? I'm sure you've read everything. I'm sure you've read Red Shirts. No, actually, I've I've not heard of that until now, but that sounds really oh, interesting. Go huh. check it out. You will really enjoy it, sir. It's it it is it is very much a Star Trek knockoff story. Um, but the, the 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 captain and the and the senior officers of the crew are all completely clueless as to what go- is going on, and all the crew is you know, for to use Nico's parlance here, they're woke. So it's, it's are they woke? Really, no, are they no, lit? No. That's <laughs> really That's right. It's really clever. It's really Appreciate good. Red shirts. The author is John Scalzi. Is who the author is. So do you think I that book is available on Audible.com, guys? I am sure it is. Oh, my God. It's read by Will Wheaton. Wheaton. It's funny that you brought up a book, Dave, because uh, and Greg, because we we really should talk about audible.com before we get off the air. The Internet's number one source of audio. uh, The Internet's number one (laughs) source. Let me start over. Jesus. Make it so. The Internet's number one source of audible content of jesus okay what content you know dave it's funny that you mentioned books because we really should talk about our sponsor audible.com that's right audible is the internet's number one source of audio content and uh for you just this week for listeners of the wretched hive podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can give the service an opportunity. You can check it out for free. No risk. Act now. To get your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash hive. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash H-I-V-E for your free audiobook. And with that, the only thing left to do is this. C3PO. I was waiting for that. I knew that was. I knew I was going to hear that one again. No, there's just that was a safe bet, for sure. Oh God! Well, if you ever vomit in your mouth when you hear anything about Anthony Daniels, uh, give us a call. Let us know how you deal with it on the Wretched Hive Hotline. That's five six two four five five four four eight three. That's 562-455-HIVE, in case you can't spell HIVE. You're goddamn right! Uh, you can find us online at www.thewretchedhive.net. I put all the show notes, all the links for the stories we cover online. You can either get them through your web browser or download the Wretched app. You can look at all our links and link directly through your smartphone device. has to be an iPhone, actually. Not available on the Android store yet. But coming soon, maybe in 2019, we'll pump that out to the uh, the old Android store there. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. You can always email the show to show at wretchedhive.net. Uh, we will be more active on Instagram and Twitter in the coming weeks. Thanks to our new intern, Callista. Thank you for joining the show this week. Thank you for having me. Really thrilled that you are with us. And uh, don't forget, we are part of a podcast network. That's uh, figure8.com. That's figure with an 
figure8.com, you can find uh, our other show that Dave and I do, the Electoral College Podcast, over at figure8.com. So go check that out. Guys, episode 74 is in the books. Final thoughts. So what are we all doing for Life Day? Getting our uh, red robes on and holding glowing orbs or something like that? Is that a euphemism for anything? Absolutely. Nico, what are you doing for Life Day? I want to hear what Nico... Nico's always doing fun stuff. What are you doing for Life Day, Nico? I'm going to be hanging out with Crunchy. (laughs) Nice. Well, everybody out there in podcast land, have a wonderful week. Enjoy Life Day. Celebrate your friends and family. We're glad you're our listeners. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And may the Force be with us all. The Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> and don't forget to vote. In the... Oh, shit. Uh, happened. Never mind. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs>